Father, thank you for your presence this morning. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it's the truth. And we ask you to open our ears to hear this morning, Lord, what you want to say to us and speak to our hearts that Jesus is glorified and we're encouraged. We ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. So the church is going to face challenges as if we're not facing challenges now. But the world is not fond of the church because the church stands for truth. And I don't know if you saw some of the pictures um, in the United States now that the abortion thing has been reversed. And you see people's response. I mean, it's, it's almost demonic. I mean, how dare you take away my right to do what I want to do with my body? How dare you? And the world, the world is, looks at the church and they get offended by the fact that we want to stand for the truth. And I, I'm not prophesying, but I, I think it's going to get worse. The church is going to, we are going to have to stand in these days because more and more we will be attacked because the Bible makes statements that sometimes go against what the human rights activists activate. And we say, no, 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 this is what the Bible says. But then they say, but it's taking away my rights. You, you're not allowed to. You've got to change the way. And we've got to learn to stand in these last days. And there will come persecution. And that's where it's going to come from. And um, that's where we need to be strong and stand in these days. And I'm going to speak out of Hebrews and as somebody said, that's the guys because they make the coffee and then they're Shebrews. And <laughs> he brews though, so he makes. And so <laughs> we, we've, got to, we've got to learn to stand. And I've got a little quote here. The world is so caught up in what offends people that they've forgotten that it offends God. And you think of just the abortion thing. I mean, just the abortion thing. It's a mega thing. But you think of how offensive that is to God. And I think Lisa sent, uh, there you are, a clip from a guy called Sean Boltz who prophesied that this, this would happen years and years ago. And it was like when, you know, Moses was born, they wanted to kill the firstborn. And when Jesus was born, they wanted to kill the firstborn. And they're killing. It's murder. It's simple. We won't go in there. But to stand for what we know is true is going to take courage on our part. And the Bible gives us lots and lots and lots of encouragement to stand. Looking at my watch, it's 25 past 10. Are you still awake? Good. So I'm going to do my best to finish by like 11 this evening. <laughs> so let's just read um, um, Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to take this. Paul, uh, Paul, 
the writer says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And the writer is writing to these Christians, most of them who got saved out of a Jewish background, and they were being tempted to go back to their rituals and their religion, and they were being harassed and made to kind of back off what they believed. And he's writing to them and saying, no, guys, no, 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 we must stand in these days. In Ephesians chapter 6, just put that up for me too. Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord. In his put on the full armor so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Verse 13, so the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. And when you've done everything, to stand. And the church, we're going to be called to stand. And, you know, Jesus prophesied that even at the end of the age, families, family will go against family because some families stand for what they know to be true and other members of the family say, no, you, you've overplayed your hand. And it's easy to get into that context. It's easy for us to fall into the situation where we compromise things. Well, but Jesus called us to be peacemakers, not to be peacekeepers. And people who keep the peace, keep the peace at the cost of something that's maybe true. So we must be peacemakers. We've got to say, no, 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 that's the truth. We're going to stand on the truth. And because we say that, we are going to face challenges and difficulties. So the context is that these people are struggling, they're going against things. And the writer is encouraging them that Jesus is everything. Jesus has done it all. You don't have to go back. Who wants to go back into a situation where you walk into church and you try and, get, you try and raise the dead? Fortunately, in our kind of church, you can't start the meeting because nobody listens. You know, in, in, in some religious traditional things, you speak to people and you wonder if they're breathing. At least people are alive here. But you don't want to go back to that if you were born again into that, which I was and quite a few of us silver-haired gentlemen and ladies were. We were born into that, born again into that. Then you, then you experience the reality of God. Nobody wants to go back. But sometimes when the challenges start, you go back to what you know is secure. You remember Peter saying to his friends after Jesus was crucified, he said, look, I'm going fishing. And they said, we're coming with you. He went back to what he felt comfortable with. Because this thing was just now over the top. I don't know what I'm doing now. He was here, now he's gone, now he's dead, and he said he's going to rise again. What do I do? I'm going fishing. Sorry, Ross. <laughs> and I'm going with you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we go back to what makes us feel in the natural comfortable. Walking with God is not always comfortable. We've got to realize that. Because we swim against the tide. We swim against what the world throws at us. 
And we've got in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13, it says this, by calling this covenant new, now he's talking about the new covenant, the new one, obviously, he has made the first one obsolete. How's that? It's obsolete. It's over. It's finished. And what is obsolete and aging, I'm not obsolete, but I'm aging, I will soon disappear. I'll go back to the earth, and so will all of you at some point. But it's the old covenant. He said, it's, don't go back there. In Hebrews 10 verse 1, he says, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. So the law was good, but he said, it's only a shadow. It's, it's only of telling us what was to come. So God gave the law. The Bible says that there was nothing wrong with the law, but the people, we couldn't keep the law. And we needed someone to come and keep it on our behalf. We know that story. So he's saying, listen, Jesus is the perfection of all this. Why do you want to go back? Imagine if we came in the morning here and we had an area outside where we had to slaughter animals so that we could sprinkle blood. And, I mean, it's messy. You thought this was messy this morning. This was calm. This was nothing. You imagine going to the temple in the Old Covenant. I mean, hundreds, thousands of sheep were slaughtered. Blood everywhere. The smell. of you smell blood? It congeals and it gets old and they sprink. I mean, it must have been. We just come into the school hall. We moan about the acoustics and it's too long. And, but we forget about Jesus. We forget Jesus made this possible. So Hebrews means this, those who crossed over. So the writer is writing them saying, look, you've crossed over from, from the shadow to the substance. You, you had a shadow. Now you've got the real thing. You've crossed over from doubt oh, I wonder, to the reality. You've crossed over from having a mediator who was a man to having a mediator who is Jesus. You crossed over from having a high priest who was a man to the ultimate high priest who is Jesus. And you want to go back. No. But they're under pressure, you see. They're under pressure to conform what they previously had. And that's what happens to the church. No, no, you must conform. You must conform to what we want. That's what the world says. And we've now got Jesus greater than Moses or any other old covenant prophet, greater than any sacrifice ever, ever offered, because he offered himself, he was the final perfect sacrifice. It's all about Jesus now. Don't go back. Don't go back. I remember a friend of mine was preaching once and he said, and he said this friend of his went on a fat backslide. And people misunderstood the slide part. And they left out the L. And they said to him, can you say that in church? And sometimes we backslide. You know, we don't sit on our blessed assurance. We backslide. And we forget some important things. And when we start forgetting those important things, that's when we become vulnerable. I found that in my own life. Then people say, yeah, but you know, surely God wouldn't. And then you begin to think, yeah, may, maybe God wouldn't. But then you read the book. And it says, no, God will. And we've got to stand on that.
and we'll see how the writer encourages us to stand. So just before Hebrews 12, guess what? There's Hebrews 11. Amazing, eh? 10, 11, 12. And Hebrews 11 is the chapter of faith. You didn't know that. We all know that's the chapter of faith. It's called the hall of faith. These great men and women that went before us, they are not watching us from heaven. All right. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in heaven. Because heaven is a beautiful place filled with glory and grace. And if you look over the edge and see us, it's not going to be good. Oh my goodness, I'm glad I'm not there, I'm glad I'm here. So they can't see us, they're not watching us, they're not witnesses to what we're doing. Okay? What, what he's writing about, he says, these people who've gone before you, they, they stood. They had faith, you must, you must follow the example. They're amazing, look what they did, by faith. They believed God. They believed God. The writer is saying that their lives bear testimony to their phenomenal persevering faith. That's what we've got to, we've got to, we've got to embrace that. Because the days will come when you, you kind of, I'm not sure. No, no, we must be sure. Because the days are going to come. Their lives should encourage us to keep going. Their testimony helps us overcome our challenges. They, they were amazing. Look at this. Hebrews 11. All these people were still living when they died. It's an interesting verse, eh? I've never seen somebody die when he's not alive. I've never seen a dead person die. They were still living when they died. But then it says this, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers. They didn't receive the promise that God had given them. Go to verse 39. At next bit. Did you miss it? Oh dear. I'll read it. Don't worry. It's also in my Bible. <laughs> Hebrews. You got it? 11. 35 to 39. Okay. It talks about... What they endured, women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, refused to be released so that they might gain a better result. Some faced jeers, flogging, chained, put in prison, stoned, sawn in two, put to death by the sword, went about in sheepskins and goats, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered, all that. Okay, mountains, caves. These were all commended for their faith, yet, yet, not one of them received what was promised. Now you take what is preached in church today. Claim it, brother. Glory to God. Claim it, brother. It's yours. Jesus will give it to you. Rubbish, man. It's not true. He'll give you your salvation. And he'll give you the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's put you on a journey to walk it out. All this, you know, you, you name it, claim it, frame it. We don't claim promises, we believe promises. I claim it in Jesus. No, just believe it, you ugly thing. Just believe it. Claim. What are you claiming? Just believe. Believe it. That's kingdom living. Those guys. So you see, that's the testimony. That's the example of what's gone before. And the writer is saying, look, that's, that's why he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded... 
therefore. And when there's a therefore in the Bible, you've got to look to see what it's there for. So therefore, he's saying with all these men and women of faith, therefore, we are surrounded. We do not lose heart, but we press on to the things that God wants us to do. And then he says in uh, um, verse chapter 12, he says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And jokingly, I always say, I looked up the Greek word for everything. It says, everything. Throw off everything. Now, some of the things that God wants us to throw off might not be sin. Just habits. Maybe it's a place I like to go to that robs me of time with God. Or robs me of family time. Or it's something I just do. It's not a sin. But it's just, and the writer is saying, look, throw off everything that hinders. Throw it off. Now, throw is not just take it and throw it. Throw it. It's a strong word. Throw it off. Like when Paul was stranded on the island, help me, Malta. What? No, not John Paul. Malta. And he stuck his hand to put some wood on the fire and a viper bit him and he shook it off. And they all said, he's going to die, he's going to die. And he never blew up or, you know, swelled up or anything. And they said, oh, you're a God, you're a God. And he shook it off. And that's what we need to do. Shake it off, get rid of it, throw it away. Because it hinders us. And those are the things that are going to cause us to compromise when we face challenges. Well, it's this or it's that. I'm not sure. And God is saying, no, throw, throw it off. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. It's a picture of an athlete. Um, I don't know if you, if you watch athletics. I mean, if you, if you saw what they used to run in and what they run in today... The girls run in like gownless evening straps. Catch that. You know, next to nothing. So, so they, they take off everything that hinders, all their clothing and everything. And then they get down to, you know, their gownless evening strap and then they run. But if you look back in the old days, they had funny clothes on and it was all baggy. And no, 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 they wear these tight stuff because that cuts through the wind. You get better times and it's all that. I beg your pardon? The Greeks? Um, Yeah, we don't want to go there. So they couldn't throw off anything. But it's a picture. What he's saying is it's a picture of an athlete stripping down to what you're going to run in. Now, I don't know if you saw some years ago, there was a Muslim lady who qualified to run like in a, I don't know, 800 or something. And she had all her robes and things on. The poor woman. And off she went, and they all went, I think they all lapped her, and they gave a little cheer when she came in. And everybody thought, how daft, how you run in that? But that's what the the writer is saying. Everything that hinders you, get rid of it. It's a picture of an athlete. Things that hinder might be, be, not be sin, as I said. The encouragement is to throw it, it could be a hobby, it could be your work hours, it could be friends, it could be family. I'm not saying give up your hobby, give up family, give up work. But if it's hindering you, 
If it's hindering you, put it aside. Put it aside. That's what the writer is saying. He says, this sin and this sin that so easily entangles. Now, it's implied that their sin was that they were forgetting about Jesus. They were forgetting faith in Jesus. So this sin, he's talking about they're going back to what they knew because they felt comfortable because this new way of Christianity was, it was, it was too much of a challenge. I'm not, I'm not, I've got to go back to the old. And our kind of church sometimes is a challenge like this morning. But I always say we are being built together and building sites are messy. You know, in America, if a brick falls off a building, everybody runs to get hit by it because then they sue the builder. In South Africa, if a brick falls, everybody scatters. And there are loose bricks and there's scaffolding in building sites. And there's guys with wheelbarrows and, and you know the story of the guy that went up with a... No, I won't go there. But the, it's messy. That's what church is. God, God just intervenes. And, and he does things. And he gives words to people. And people sit and we think, gee, what kind of church is this? And that, the person that got the word walks out like they're walking on air. Hallelujah. I'm so glad I came. We've got to have a bigger picture of what God wants to do. Throw it off, folks. And the sin that so easily entangles. Get rid of it. It entangles. Throw it off. What sin do you struggle with? What sin do I struggle with? What sin? Now don't look at me as though you never sin. I mean, I know you. Sid. Just change the dirt to him and then we've got a problem. <laughs> no, seriously. What sin do you struggle with? not asking you to shout, I struggle with this. We struggle. What is it that entangles you? Catches you. What is it? Is it unforgiveness? Somebody did something long ago and I hold it. Is it jealousy? Somebody got ahead of me. I didn't think it was fair. Maybe it's lust. When I was a kid, the only things we could hear was on the radio. And we used to listen to people like Stahlberger and the creaking door. And we, we, were, never, we were never exposed to what young people are exposed to today. You know, I haven't got my phone. I leave in the car. Because it's a phone. You leave it in the car. Yeah. You don't bring it to church. You leave it in the car. Because then it rings and you're embarrassed. And, yeah, you leave the car. Anyway. Uh, it's so easy. Access. And, and the flesh, the flesh is so weak. The spirit is always willing. Jesus said that to the disciples when he was praying for them, with them. He said, can't you pray with me one hour? The spirit is when the flesh is so weak. And the flesh panders to that stuff. If you struggle, get help. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Pride. Pride. I drive a bigger car than you. I don't care. I pay less petrol than you, Deborah. You know what I'm saying? 
pride. I wanted that. Lying. You know, Christians are famous for speaking what I call evangelistically. You know, they make it just, just a bit better than it was, especially when you give a testimony. You, you testify, and then you just add a few things to make it kind of real juicy. No, get rid of that, because that'll trip you up. It'll trip you up. Ooh, quick. He says, then you must run. Run. Solomon in the Proverbs says this, and this just come to mind now with the whole thing of lust. He says this, there's, there's a woman that stands at her door and beckons and calls men and says, my husband's away. Why don't you come? And the, the proverb says, don't even go near her, her door. Run. Run. Now, where's Tim? Made me run last night. It wasn't easy, bro. Thanks a lot, eh? I mean, you know, t Sid, can you still run quite effectively? No, don't lie now. We're talking here. Alan, you see, Aska, we, it takes a long time to get us going, and then sometimes the brakes are not so good. So, you know, we, that's why we don't run. But the Bible <laughs> encourages us to run with perseverance the race marked out for you. Now, it's, again, it's a picture of ath ath athlete. Now, that doesn't mean everything you do is double time. When I did national service, I was here in Youngsfield, I was in anti-aircraft. Everything we did was double time. You never walked anywhere. We ran everywhere. We just ran. Everywhere you went, you ran. Now, that's not what he's saying. You know, like, like you know, the, the, the road runner. Beep, 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 the church. What's happening? I don't know. Just, just keep up, keep up. No, no, that's what he's saying. He's saying you must persevere in your walk with God. Because, because he says here, yeah, the race marked out for you. Each one of us has got a lane. And God's called us to run in that lane. My race is not Brian's race. And the obstacles Brian faces, I, do, I might not face. But the obstacles I face, Brian might not face. So don't look at other people's lane and think, yeah, see, that's, he's got such difficulty. You don't know what's around the corner. You run in your lane. The race marked out for you. You run in that lane with perseverance. There's, um, in Port Elizabeth, when the trains ran in the good old days, if you went from Port Elizabeth to Dispatch, who's ever heard of Dispatch? It's near Utenag, Utenagy. And you went Port Elizabeth, um, North End, Sydenham, can't remember. Then it went Perseverance, or Red House, Perseverance, Dispatch. So we always used to say, if you persevere, you'll get to Dispatch. <laughs> so Perseverance is a big thing. What is Perseverance? It's nothing to do with giftedness but it's everything to do with heart. So you don't have to be gifted to persevere. You've just got to have a heart to decide, I'm going to do this. And sometimes, you know what? You've just got to gut it out. Sometimes it's just by the skin of my 
chinny, chin, chin. I'm just getting there, but I'm, I'm going to persevere. I'm, not, I'm a plodder. I'm going to get there. I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to get there. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to run this race that has been marked out for me. It's like running a marathon. I've never run a marathon. I did a 21K once. Nearly killed me. And then I gave up because running so pointless. No, it's true. Come on. You just run and run and run and then you finish. And then you're tired. And everybody says, yeah. Give me a ball. I might not catch the confounded thing, but at least it's some, you know, incentive. Just give me a ball. Play tennis, play hockey, play cricket. Just give me a ball. Run. Plod, 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 plod. plod. You know, come past me. Just run. God bless you if you run. But it's not my thing. But marathon runners reach a place where they hit the wall, where their mind says, okay, bro, lady, it's far enough. And it's at that point where you've got to tell your body, listen, you can do this. I've trained. My eldest daughter, who, please never listen to this, Nadine, who was not good at sport, like seriously not good, has taken up running. And she runs half marathons. She phones me. She lives in Durban. And the sun rises there before it sets here. I mean, it's so early. And they're running at four in the morning. And she's got a running club. And she's into it now. She loves it. And that's good. And she's going to do half marathons. I said, that's wonderful. I'll come and be, you know, I'll do the water thing for you. (laughs) But you hit the wall. And she said, there's times when your lungs just like burn. And you think but your friends are running with you and I'm not going to give up. And you pass that. That's like it's like the Christian life. That's why it's family. We're together in this thing. I struggle, he struggles, you struggle. We're together, we help each other. We run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. I can't run your race and you can't run mine. We must run each of our own races. And it's unique to me. I was thinking of Sid when I was preparing this, because Sid and I and Alan, the old boys, the three musketeers, and you two, Heyman, there's four of us now. I'm just looking around. No, four, four's good, eh? Four. We've all suffered loss. I was thinking particularly of Sid because he lost his wife, I lost my wife. That's his race, it's in his lane. He's, he's got to run the race. He, he can't run Brian's race or someone else. We've got to run the race. So we don't give up. Many men have lost their wives. But I never lost a wife before. I'm not making you feel sorry for me. That's part of my race. I make a decision. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to get to dispatch. I'm going to run. I'm, 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 I'm determined. I'm going to make it there. Paul says to Timothy in chapter 4, verse 7, he says, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. Finished the race. I fought the fight, finished the race. When we depend on God, we can finish well. 1 Corinthians 9, I like this. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Now, it's interesting. It doesn't say... The guy who comes first gets the prize. We all get a prize. 
because we're all running our own race. So I'm, I'm going to be first in my race because I'm the only oak in that race. I'm going to get the prize because I'm going to finish. So are you. Doesn't matter if I come in last. You ever heard of Eric the Eel? Eric. Eric was a guy from Africa who qualified to swim in the Olympics and um, in his country. And so when he went to the Olympics, it's a true story, Eric was not the best swimmer. And so he lined up for his heat and everybody in the heat got disqualified because they, they jumped the start and only Eric was going to swim. And the time to finish what he was going to race was um, 42 seconds. Or, no, I can't remember. Just Let's say one minute. Eric took three. But people cheered for him because he was the only guy in the pool, nearly drowning, but he made it. But that was his race. That was his race. I'm running my race. You're running your race. We must run with perseverance. And it says, oh, you're still there. Yeah. Run in such a way as to get to Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training and all that stuff. And they win a crown that is not going to last. You and I, if we know who Jesus is, and we've accepted that he is who he claims he is, we're going to get a crown that lasts forever. That's, that gives me determination to, to run this race for God. I'm going to do it, Lord. I'm going to do it because my reward is great. As Ross said, you know, we invest in the kingdom because the benefits are out of this world. We don't get a crown that won't last. My race is unique, but I must finish. Fix your eyes. Next point. Then he says this, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Some of the old translations say, looking away from where you're looking unto Jesus, fixing my eyes on Jesus. Now that doesn't mean I'm fixed my eyes on Jesus, biddy, 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 wherever I go. Now it means in my heart, I've, I've established that Jesus is going to be number one in my life. I'm going to follow his way because his way is the way that will work for me. And interesting, he doesn't say Jesus Christ or the Christ. He said looking unto Jesus. I'll tell you why he said that. Because he, he's looking to Jesus, the man. Fully God, fully man, but he's looking to Jesus as the man who walked the planet. So that we can have hope. That if Jesus did it by the power of the Holy Spirit, then we can do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus was a man. And he laid aside, he, he chose not to use his divinity, his authority, his power that was his. Because you remember when he was going to be crucified, he said, I could have called how many legions of angels? I could have, but I didn't. I chose not to. I have access to heaven, but I'm choosing not. I want to live this life on this earth so that you can follow and know you can do it. Because the same faith that I have authored here, the author and perfect of my faith, that same faith I'm giving you. And if I have faith the size of a mustard seed, a mustard seed. Have you seen a mustard seed? It's a small man, but it grows. Just I need faith. And I need perseverance. It says in, I think it's Hebrews 4.16, I didn't give it to you. It says, by faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. Is it 16? 
Come on, Dale. <laughs> Somewhere, it's in Hebrews. It's in the Bible. Now, this is the problem. Some of us, we have got the faith. Oh, glory to God. We're believing. Hallelujah. But we don't have any patience. That's what the charismatics are like. The traditionalists, they've got all the patience in the world. But they've hardly got any faith. But he says, by faith and patience, you inherit the promises of God. So you run. You fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of the cross. He endured the cross, scorned its shame. In Psalm 16, 11, I didn't give it to you. It says, you fill me with joy in your presence. Oh, didn't you get happy this morning? Didn't you feel in your spirit? This is beautiful. I love this. I'm in the presence of God. What did I do to deserve that? Nothing. Nothing. In his presence is the fullness of joy. You remember when they found the books in Nehemiah and they started reading and they said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And his joy becomes my joy because I'm connected to him. That's what I become one with him and he's one with me. It's, a, it's miraculous. So I fix my eyes on him because he's done it perfectly. Just as he endured, so can we. Fix your eyes on him. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you can put it up. I think I did give it to you. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. <laughs> Thank you, God, that you've given me an opportunity to put aside, and I'm learning how to walk in the new. Or you're like me. Have you ever bought a new car or a new gadget for the kitchen, and it's got all sorts of... I'm scared to push some of the buttons, you know, especially in these new cars, because you think, like, it might be an ejector seat or something. You've gone. You think, oh, my word. I hope it's got a parachute. You know, they've got so many things in these new cars, in the new, and you find out how they work as you get to know your new car. Listen, that's like walking with Jesus. You find out how it works as you keep walking with Jesus. You try something. Oh, he doesn't kill me for that. Oh, he does help me with that. You know what I'm saying? I've put aside the old. I've traded in the old. Didn't work. Didn't work. Somebody said, I tried my best. I said, you look where it got you. Nowhere. Your best doesn't count because Jesus is the best. Jesus will bring you through. So fix your eyes on him. And then he says, lastly, he says this, and I've done superbly, even if I say so myself, consider him. Consider him. It says this, who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What does consider mean? It means consider, yeah. (laughs) Think about him. Take into account. Think about it. Consider him. Consider means to contemplate, to think over, to think carefully about what it cost him. And he didn't have to do it. He took abuse from those religious leaders. Those people that crucified him, they spat on him. Pulled out his beard, mocked him, ridiculed him. He hung there naked on a cross. And the writer says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men. Now, we've had opposition, all of us, somewhere. But when you get opposition, consider him. And our opposition pales into insignificance in comparison to what Jesus endured. And if Jesus could do it as a man filled with the Spirit, then you and I can do it as men and women filled with the Spirit.
We can do it. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Consider what Jesus endured so we don't have a spiritual collapse. Such opposition from all those religious leaders, but with such confidence and meekness. And meekness is not weakness. Meekness and strength. Where do you stand? How's you? Where are you in this whole thing? Are we saying, you know, I'm giving you some advice. Throw off everything that hinders. Run the race. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Consider Jesus. Have you ever considered him? Have you ever considered what it means that this book is as old as it is and is still very relevant to us today? Nothing in it that's irrelevant. Not a thing. You know, Jesus was so perfect, he never had apologized to anybody. He never asked anybody to pray for him. He asked for prayer for his disciples. He never asked anybody to pray for him. He never, when he spoke a word... Try to catch it and put it back. You know, you, you, you have you had those times you're speaking, <gasps> catch it, put it back, it's too late. It's gone. Never. Never. That's why you consider him. Because he's the bar. He sets it. I can't reach it. On my own, never. But with the help of the Spirit, he puts me on this journey and I start running my race. I'm running towards the light. Otherwise, I'm running towards the darkness. I mean, that's what the Bible says. Where are you running? If you're running away, or you're kind of not in the race, God wants you this morning to consider to get into the race. How do you do that? You get into the race by asking him to forgive you for your sin. We call sin, sin now. Sin is sin, period. We ask him to forgive. What's the biggest sin? When God has spoken to you and you ignore him. That's blasphemy against the spirit. That's not forgivable. But if you accept him, he forgives you. You see, if you don't accept him, then you can't be forgiven. But if you do, forgive it. And then the old has gone. And the new has come. Where do you stand? I'm just asking you. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. These days, these days, it's going to be, they're going to get worse. We, We think things will get better. Listen, I was born in 1949. Things have not got better. They've just steadily got worse. I watch the news now. I actually have to switch it off. I get <clears throat> lying, thieving, whatever they are. In every country, in every country, even Uncle Boris over in the UK, partying there and doing his thing and whatever. You can't trust politicians, man. You can't trust people in that sense. But I can trust him. That's why he says, throw off everything that hinders Run with perseverance. Fix your eyes on him. Consider him. Do you want to consider him this morning? 
I pray you do. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for your encouragement, Lord. Thank you that your word says you haven't left us fatherless or comfortless. You've come to us and you've enabled us to grasp, understand the wonder, the reality of developing a relationship with you. And I pray this morning, Lord, that you would help each of us sitting here this morning to consider you, to consider what it means for you to allocate a race, you, for you to mark out a race for us to run so that at the end of it we get a crown that is eternal, that lasts forever, a crown with you where we meet those who have gone before those that we read about in Hebrews 11 who showed faith even though they never received that which was promised. Help us, Lord, to be a people. Help us to be a people who throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Help us to run with perseverance, Lord, the race that you've marked out for us. Help us to fix our eyes on you, Lord Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. You went to the cross, you scorned its shame, you took every abuse, and help us to consider you, Lord, that we will endure, and that we'll go to you, Lord, that we will develop relationship with you, for your glory, for our encouragement, our life so that the old can go and the new can come. And if there's anybody here this morning that feels that, look, can I just talk to you? Please, I would love to speak to you about considering Jesus. So Lord, we pray that you'll part us with your blessing now. Thank you for this morning. Thank you, you've ministered to us in the worship, through the prophetic, through your word. Part us with your blessing, I pray, that you, Jesus, be glorified in our lives, in what we say, what we do, and how we live. And we ask it in your name and for your sake. Amen. Bless you.